on today's Compassion Radio. He was always moved by compassion. And it was always with sinners that were trapped by lies. Mm -hmm. He didn't even deal with the religious stuff. He just rebuked it. He just loved because he was so full of compassion and he only did what his father was doing. So when I wake up in the morning, I say, Dad, what are we doing today? Father, what are you doing? I want to do that. I want an encounter with the server at the restaurant. And I want to be able to say, man, God just loves you. I do this daily and I end up with tears and prayer consistently daily because I just want to do what he's doing. And I think that's what we've got to teach the generation. I tell them this all the time. The longest journey you'll ever take is from your head to your heart. Good morning, folks, and welcome to Compassion Radio, the travelogue of the gospel. We bring you the stories of God's people living out their faith in practical, powerful ways and never settling for second best or less than God has for them. That's not to say that you should expect no difficulties, setbacks, or tears. Quite the contrary. But what is pain, really, compared to peace and the very presence of God? I don't say that lightly, and neither would our guest, Gary Black, of G42 Leadership Academy and a senior director of that amazing missions sending agency, Adventures in Missions. For the past two days, Gary has literally poured out his heart to us about the struggles he has faced and the price of obedience in his own life. He understands firsthand what Job went through and how confounding is God's mercy when we're still in anguish. If you haven't caught the first two episodes, I urge you to do so in the podcast section of our website, CompassionRadio.com. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired. Today we'll pick it up with a discussion on what rest really means. How to be at rest in a demanding world. There are some great twists in there that I think will really surprise you. Thanks for tuning our way today. And I want to learn, I want to teach this generation, as I'm learning, to work from a place of rest, not work to get to rest. Yeah. I don't want you to work for the weekend or work for that vacation. I want you every morning spending time with the Father and finding rest and work from that space instead of the other way around. Everywhere you go. Yep. Yeah, I think about stepping into Sabbath as being something that is that wellspring. It's not even a separate set-aside day anymore. He's brought all of the seventh day to us all the time now. Yes. And so when I talk to people who would feel guilty for having worked on a seventh day, is that did God put you there? Did you feel rested and restored? Right. Were you with him? Then you're in Sabbath. That's right. So I'm not encouraging anybody to become workaholics and use an excuse for it. The point is your spirit, if you're willing to let God steer that thing, is going to show you you need rest. That's right. And this is the kind of rest you need right now. And you will follow him because you'll be obedient because the spirit is already resonating with his wavelength. Oh, yeah. It's like I become the will of God and I become rest. I don't have to go look for it. Yeah. Right? I become Galatians 5.22. I become peace and joy and love and goodness. I, I don't have to go find those things because as I spend time with him, I become that. Right? And that's what we want to get to. Gary, before we close off this conversation, and it's been a wonderful hour with you, by the way. Thank you. I would like to ask you to dig a little deeper into that issue of the spirit and the soul Because I think about the soul being fractured, too. That's where we silo our lives and say, this is the hidden part. These are the other rooms I don't want people to go see. I've shut off the air to that room so no one can smell it. But this is the rest of my life I want people to see. The spirit is always so much more, in our first experience of it, vague. Like a ghost. It floats around us. You can't really control it. And yet the idea of being in the spirit, for me, I'm learning more and more. It's kind of like if you're playing hardball and you have a bare hand to catch something... You're going to risk breaking your fingers trying to catch that ball coming at you. That, for me, is the soul. 
and you got a well-built catcher's mitt, that's the spirit. Mm. You're still out there doing the stuff that God's doing, but you're able to field the fiery arrows, the incoming missiles and stuff in a way that other people just can't because their souls are not built to resist or to absorb those kind of hits. But the spirit of God in us is. That's the image I'm getting as I'm learning about this going along. But speak to that some more. When we're in the spirit, how does that look to you? And how do you see that in the people that you're mentoring, that you know that the spirit's alive and well in them? Yeah, I spend a lot of time in this. I've become a heart guy, Brom, which people that knew me in the past would laugh at that. But, you know, Hebrews 4, I think, is one of the most misquoted chapters and verses in the Bible of spirit, soul, and body, and the division Mm -hmm. of those things. And we've left out the heart. And that division literally means letting them work together, learning when you're in one and how to get to the other. You know, soul's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just not spirit. Yeah. And Jesus in Gethsemane, think about the garden. He yeah. says, God, take this cup from me. That's his soul going, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But his spirit says, ah, not my will, yours be done. And we see it many times on the cross. He says, God, where have you gone? Why have you forsaken me? That's his soul crying yeah. out. And his spirit says, oh, these guys don't know what they're doing. Go ahead, right? So when I'm driving in my truck and my soul wants to cut somebody off and have a little road rage, (laughs) I have to say, Father, I want to be in my heart. I want to live like Jesus did. Will you give me a heart of compassion right now, please? Mm. Because I'm getting angry. And one of my issues has been anger. And as I do that with the Father, he gives me his heart. And it's what Jesus did. He always was moved by compassion. And then he healed people. And he always healed them body, soul, spirit, and heart. You know, the gate beautiful The man was healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and his heart came alive. And so we have to learn that the soul, again, is not bad, but when I'm in my soul, I have to immediately learn to stay in risk and confession. Hmm. It's 1 John 1, 9. If I learn to live in a state of confession, Father, I confess my heart feels angry right now, or my heart feels lustful right now. Will you give me a heart of courage? Will you give me a heart of purity? And learn to live in that attitude consistently. This is what I think he meant when Paul said, I pray unceasingly. I pray all the time. Mm -hmm. If I'm fully aware of what my spirit and soul are doing, and I just stay in it, and I live a life of confession, because it's not about heaven and hell. It's about how do I become more like Christ on earth? Mm -hmm. How do I become God with skin on and love people like he loves them? Right? So I learn to live with my spirit, soul, body, and heart working together, not against one another. Fair enough. One's not bad and one's not. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And those are risking becoming bumper stickers, too. We have to explore them at the length to say, what does it really mean when it happens? (laughs) Right. Is there ever a time that you can think of where Jesus stepped into a healing or a transformative or a miracle event where he wasn't first moved to compassion? I was looking for that, actually. Great question. He was always moved by compassion. And it was always with sinners that were trapped by lies. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even deal with the religious stuff. He just rebuked it. But he just loved because he was so full of compassion, and he only did what his father was doing. Mm. So when I wake up in the morning, Ram, I say every morning, Dad, what are we doing today? Father, what are you doing? (laughs) I want to do that. I want those encounters. What's on your schedule today? I want an encounter with the server at the restaurant. And I want to be able to say, man, God just loves you, or... I see you in transition, and I just want you to know that God's with you. I do this consistently daily, and I end up with tears and prayer consistently daily because I just want to do what he's doing. And and I think that's what we've got to teach the generation. I tell them this all the time. The longest journey you'll ever take is from your head to your heart. Hmm. And the generation's so stuck in their head. Now let me ask an operative question. If that's how Jesus arrived at power, transformative power that actually led to real verifiable miracles— 
including resurrection. What happens when we step into that saying, God, your heart of compassion to me first, and then once we've experienced that, invited him into that, and we ask him, now what? Is that where the miracles start happening through us? That's right. That's where the supernatural happens, because I'm a co-partner with Christ. He put me on this planet to be his representation, to be his ambassador. So if I think he's the only one doing this thing, I'm wrong, mm. right? I want to bring life to the planet. I want to bring heaven to earth every day, just like Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Matthew 6. So, Father, I want to be moved by your compassion because I'm your co-partner, and I'm your extension. So I'm going to love people that I run into because of your compassion through me, your Holy Spirit that lives through me, not just in me. Jesus, don't just come live in my heart. Live through my heart the way that you lived when you were on the planet. That's the prayer. And that's where the supernatural happens. Gary, as we close today, I'm going to give you the last words. So there's probably some themes that have been bubbling up over the course of our conversation. We've covered the work of G42 and Adventures in Missions, the history of starting the world race and the thousands of kids that have gone through the program, and the hundreds that you've selected by the Spirit's discernment to have further mentorship and investment from you and from the organization who are now out there transforming the world. You've also walked me through the darkest places of your own heart and life and showed where God showed up in that suffering for you. So, of course, our lives, our story, is a multifaceted one. Every single person, if they're willing to be honest and trust that God's not going to crush them for telling the truth about their lives, has a powerful instrument in their possession. Their story is something that God can, does, and will use to transform the world if we're allowing him to use it, allowing him to be truthful through us. Yeah. Wrap it up for me. You're talking to people who may or may not have ever thought their story matters or that God's ever going to use them mm -hmm. or they're buried under a lie and been told that because of what they did, this definition applies to you and therefore you are not a valid whatever. Yeah. You have no right to speak to these things. You have no right to step up and serve. But they have a heart to want to what would you tell the people that have bought into lies or at least have been told lies all their lives and they don't want to believe those lies? Yeah, the first thing I'd say to that, Brahm, is we have hundreds of seasons in life. Hmm. Hundreds of them. They go very quickly. Yes, they do. So if you're in a bad, dark night of the soul season, it's going to be gone soon. You're going to find hope soon, but you have to learn vulnerability. One of the biggest lessons I have learned is making that one of my value words or one of my, 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 my values is the generation will not listen to you if you come with them with religion and answer. Hmm. If you come to them with vulnerability, with your story, and I'm telling you, every story counts because everything belongs and the Father redeems everything. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training in theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry, these are all the kind of things that we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. You know, for over 78 years now, Compassion Radio listeners and supporters like you have absolutely been up to the task. Will you help us get ready for the next Big Faith challenges and opportunities of this year? Your gift today will provide the means for us to begin some new initiatives with our Bible and Relief partners that reach farther than we've ever gone before. It begins with you and your brave investment in kingdom communication and kingdom action. Every time we go to the front lines of faith, it inspires your faith and your giving to the Great Commission as much as it does ours. You step up and make it possible. 
It's our strong desire to be going deeper, to go farther, to be braver than we've ever been, and to bring you the stories that you just won't hear anywhere else. I simply ask that you would keep giving so that we can give back to the world through our strategic ministry partners and to you with inspiring programming on this radio station and over the internet. Here's how. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. It's available 24-7. Our safe and secure order form there will get your gift to the places needed most and we'll do it right away. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time Business Hours at 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. Of course, you can also put a stamp on an envelope and mail your gift to our Compassion Radio office, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Again, that's P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. However you give, we'd love to hear more about why you believe in Compassion Radio. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. And now, back to the interview. If you come to them with vulnerability, with your story... And I'm telling you, every story counts because everything belongs and the Father redeems everything. And so when I come to that space where I'm just telling my story from a place of vulnerability and I'm building trust, I can then start walking these kids into some truth that Jesus said, not my truth, but his truth. Mm, amen. And they think truth is relative now. And again, we cannot convince them otherwise with our good lib answers yeah. and our religion. It doesn't work. And so that would be my biggest takeaway is learn, especially as men. Again, women are amazing and powerful, and they're changing the earth right now. As men, we must learn vulnerability, and we have to speak the truth in love. Jesus said hard things, but he said it from a place of compassion. If I'm saying hard religious things, I'm losing trust, and I'm losing the person that I'm talking to. If I've been with the Father, and I'm asking the Father to walk me through my day, and I'm consistently always praying in the Spirit, and I'm aware, right, and I'm asking Him to let me see through my heart, Ephesians 1.18, then I'm going, when I meet somebody, they're going to feel that. They're going to know something's coming off me. There's something always coming off of us, either bitterness and anger yeah. or love and Jesus. And so on the airplane, you know, you get stuck on the inside of the airplane, and you ask me my story, you're in trouble, because <laughs> right? it's just going to come off of me. So that would be what I would say. There's hope. If you're in a dark night, listen, find somebody just to tell your story to and let them sit with you and listen. And can I encourage you, if you're with somebody that's lost a child, don't talk. Just sit and listen. Just be, right? And let that person grieve through this. Grief is a really powerful, good thing. We just, as men, most of us haven't learned how to grieve things through yeah. and allow it to get to redemption. I think about the only men in the generations around us that really have experienced the suffering in a way that they would all be able to identify with that are probably our military. Yes. And they've never been encouraged to be able to use their stories for healing for those who didn't have to go through the horrors they went through or are going through through their PTSD and other consequences of the combats they may have been part of. Yes. But that story was almost completely lost coming out of World War II and then through Vietnam. And it's still a problem, I think, because the men who have been traumatized are at the same time the ones who really probably get the concept of compassion if they're allowed to. 
And I wonder about how ministries like yours and people who understand how trauma not just affects us, but redirects and rechannels our story in such powerful ways. As you said, God uses all things for good. The story itself is part of that good. Gary, that's probably one of the last groups I'd asked you to address because there might be a lot of them even now that are hearing this radio program and the podcast. Speak to the people who have experienced the trauma of war because I believe that their story is something God really can and will use to bring healing and hope to those who haven't had to go through those kind of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a great answer for this. My cousin is the head chaplain of five military bases here in Colorado Springs, Mm. and he has me come and address troops coming home from Afghanistan in different places. There's four archetypes of every man, the warrior, the lover, the sage, and the king. Mm -hmm. And what we've done with our military is we've taught them the warrior archetype. We've given them this warrior, but they're left alone. And a warrior left alone is a dangerous thing. And that's why we're seeing the suicide rates and the PTSD and the mental illness that we're seeing in the military, because we've left them to that one archetype. And we haven't taught them the lover and the sage. And the goal is that when I am gray-haired in my 60s and 70s, I become a king that stewards the other three really well. And so that, to me, is an initiation that we've done with our military boys, but we haven't walked them all the way through. And it's a passion of mine for them to learn those other archetypes and to learn who Jesus is in the midst of what they've seen and the trauma that's happened. Let's redeem that trauma, get it out of your soul where you're confused and angry and get it into your spirit where it can be redeemed and used on the planet to get others to redeem. Transform people, transform people. Wounded people, wound people, right? Right. And that's my heart for the military. Total transformation. I'm certainly glad that Jesus was transformed by his resurrection and not just wounded. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. Uh, Gary, I really do appreciate the time you spent with us. And your story is powerful, of course. And I've got to believe that as you think and pray for your family and rejoice that God brings all things together for his good in your life, that when you remember Michael, you remember not just what was, you remember him to the Father because you believe in resurrection power and you believe that there is life eternal. And I'm sure that you, when you think of him now, you think of a life, not of death and lies. And so that gives you great hope. He's become a gift for me. Yes. Where do you go from here? Where does Adventures and Missions go? Where does G42 go? You know, we don't know, and I think that's where most of the church is, and I think it's a really good, it's we're in liminal space. Mm. We're, we're kind of in the hallway. We know the past is kind of gone. I mean, we had to take close to 600 kids off the field last March right. and lost millions of dollars in the world race. G42, that was our pool, you know, as we would go and find the leaders and bring them. I have currently nine students. We just graduated class. We have nine here in Car Springs with us on their practicum for the summer. But we don't know. We're getting ready to do a training camp and launch, I think, another 300. But countries are starting to shut down again. And I think it's a really good thing if we'll slow down and we'll just listen. Instead of going through the motions of ministry and going through the motions of just going to church. Mm -hmm. The Lord told me I was hiking in Spain one morning and he said, there's hundreds of thousands of people sitting on the second and third pews, rows in churches that have never been told who they are and have never been activated in their gifts. Yeah. I want you to find those people. I want these people to know who they are, how much I love them. They're born to be loved. And then I want them activated into what they can do on the planet because they're bored. And if you're bored, it's because you're boring, right? (laughs) You learn how to be. Yes. I think he's redeeming the church right now. And we can look at it as this horrible thing and the end times and all the other stuff that people are saying. I just don't agree with that. I think it's an incredibly radical time. 
I think the father's about ready to move on the earth like he hasn't. And I think the bride gets to be a huge part of this harvest because the harvest is the end of the age and we get to watch it come in. Well, that leads me to the question of how do we get to them? There's so much about Christian media or even just normal on the street kind of things. Like we used to go to our Christian bookstores. That's where denominations and people would cross over and meet people who had similar passions and faith as us, but weren't from our camp. We become so siloed now that we don't really talk to each other much outside of our own immediate church. Yeah. So where are you going to find all these people on the second and third rows across this great land of ours and get to their hearts and mind? Well, I think the idea we were planning communities, missional communities around America, because the kids aren't going to church. I mean, it's, it's way down. Mm-hmm. They're not finding life there. But we've got to have these communities, again, with a multi-generational. I need the gray hairs. They'll have a cup of tea with a girl in the morning and, and some men that will talk about their story and be vulnerable, but then, you know, buck up, put your big boy pants on, your big girl pants on, and let's go do this thing. But we need communities that are just reaching their neighborhoods, reaching their neighbors, not just driving into their little boxes and letting the garage door and going in their box, right? We, right. We've got to start living outside. I mean, Jesus was pretty clear. If we don't move the orphan in with us, we're in trouble. And we've got a lot of orphans right here in our own country. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to go send people, keep sending people to the nation to not just tell people that they could go to hell, but to let them be transformed because of love mm-hmm. and go plant yeah. people that say, yes, I know I'm called to India. We've got one little girl, Maria. She is just called to India. Hmm. She's been there planting churches and loving people. And she's trying to get back so hard right now. And it's the, you know, it's the worst country yes. right now in the world for COVID. Yeah. And she's waiting in San Diego. But she's not just sitting in San Diego. She's going out in the community. She's loving people in the community and doing kingdom anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go somewhere to be kingdom. So I'm going to be that no matter where I am. And I'm going to watch the garden happen no matter where I am. And I tell kids all the time, you really can't miss the call of God on your life. Yeah. There's usually about four or five things these kids can go do because they have so many options. Yeah. And God's going to really bless anything they go do as long as they're going to do it. And if, if they're moving, then God can say, turn left or right, yeah. if they're off a little bit, right? So yeah, I think it's communities. I think there's churches that are getting this. There's some really awesome, great, big churches and small churches that are starting to preach the right kind of message. Kingdom message. Of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is the best theology, <laughs> as, <laughs> as our friend Bill Johnson will say, yeah. right? And it really is. And if you can get that, it just looks different. You start to see the world differently. Well, you're talking about something that's very missional, but I also want to remind people that if they have a family, a congregation, a denomination, life they love and it's home to them, missional does not mean supersessional, like we're trying to kill off that which has been. Yeah. All you're trying to do is bring forward the life that you're finding in this generation as God reveals it in you and through you and inspires you. This is the window we have. I think about the Stargate, that silly sci-fi series that was on for so many years. It's like we're standing on the side of eternity, but at any moment, we can just open that gate and step into anywhere in this generation Yes, if we're willing to cross over the gate to be there. But it does not mean that we have to be of that world. We just have to be of him. That's right. And the Stargate is open to us to go anywhere. That's exactly right. And I want to be part of that movement. Me too. So, Gary Black, thanks so much for sharing your story and for your time with us today on Compassion Radio. I assume you would like to be able to offer some kind of encouragement to those who might want to be mentors or step into this missional movement locally within their own communities or find ways of helping to establish these kind of communities to reach the nuns that are not finding anything in the churches where they happen to be right now. How can they reach you or reach some information and some help on that path? 
Yeah, Gary and Lisa. Black.com. Very simple. It's our website. The G42 is on there, the World Race, the things that we're doing around the planet, the missional communities. To keep it very simple, I love this. I've become the expert of children that have died, and so I get those mm. calls weekly. I bet you do. Which becomes emotionally draining, but yeah, I'll bet. you know that's why I'm here. I was transformed by something, so I want to help others get transformed by it and not be stuck in it. And so, yeah, just GaryLisaBlack.com. Gary, again, thanks so much for sharing your life and getting us behind the curtain a bit with Adventures and Missions. We're praying for the next crop of people that comes up that God gives you to mentor, because coming out of COVID, and we have many, many waves of it still raging through the earth. It's not like this pandemic's over. There's going to be a lot of fear that's going to re-erupt, and it's going to be people that have the spirit that are able to absorb the blows and say, it's okay, even when things are not okay. That's right. So let's come together. We'll work through this with you. We'll walk through this with you, and we'll see what God has for us in it and through it and beyond it. Awesome. So again, I thank you so much for spending this time with us. Yes, Brom. Great to meet you, and thank you for having me on. God bless you guys. My soul, my soul, be satisfied, be filled with love that won't run dry in barren desert or harvest time. My soul, my soul, be satisfied, oh my soul. Yes, my soul, my soul, be satisfied. To support Compassion Radio, just call us right now at 1-800-868-2478 or mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859 and online at CompassionRadio.com. We'll see you tomorrow.